The views and opinions expressed on the 10-8 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 10-8 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. Good afternoon and good evening, whenever and wherever you're listening. Welcome to episode 18 of the 108 Podcast. My guest today is an undersheriff from a small sheriff's department in northern Nevada. His name is Mr. Kevin Malone. In just a few moments, we are going to be talking about a bunch of things, um, and we're going to start to bridge the gap between the guys on the streets and those in administration. Because let's be honest, you're never going to ask your boss why they're doing what they're doing. Sometimes, some of you might, but more chance than not, you're not, okay? Uh, maybe you don't care to ask or maybe you you know don't want to bother him because there's no connection. But at the end of the day, I'm sure you and your buddies have had a bitch fest um, about some decision that a higher-up has made. It's natural. I get it. Um, so we're going to talk to him, and in the near future, we're going to have Tom Rizzo from Street Cop Training. He's going to come on, and we're going to talk about the Ivory Tower, which is his course through Street Cop Training. And uh, we're going to going to continue. This all started with Lamont Quarker in episode two. Now we got Kevin Malone. Then we're going to get Tom Rizzo. And maybe, just maybe, one of these days I'll get a sheriff or a chief to come on and, and we'll talk to them. Anyway, speaking of bitching and complaining, today's 10-8 thoughts, which is what I like to call this little segment before the main interview, uh, I want to talk about holding a grudge, or rather, not holding a grudge. And this is hard, okay? I'm going to talk about it and it's going to sound really easy, so much easier to say than do, okay? This is probably one of the hardest things that you can do as a person. It's getting over people that have wronged you. And here's the thing with holding grudges. What does it accomplish? Nothing. It's, it's just like regret, but a different form of living in the past. Now listen, someone has wronged you, but nothing is going to change that. You cannot change the past. For example... Say you're working your ass off on a special assignment. You've trained. You've got everything done that you needed to do to get ready for it. You have checked every single box. Then it's time to put in for whatever special assignment or, or task force or whatever um, that, that you've been training for. This is what you want. You're going for it. So is everyone else, right? Of course, anything worth having, there's going to be competition. That's good. That's what breeds uh, success. That's what breeds personal growth is competition. Competition's good. We like that. Well, something happens where someone else, someone who's less qualified, hasn't trained, um, hasn't checked all those boxes, is chosen for that spot. So what are you going to do? Are you going to resent and hold a grudge towards the commander, the sergeant, whoever that made that decision? Who knows, maybe maybe the guy had an in, you know, whatever. Uh, you got to get used to cop life being unfair. I've said that before. 
But listen, if you're going to hold a grudge towards that commander, towards that guy that got the job over you, uh, it's not going to get you on that unit. It's not going to get him off the unit. It's, it's, it is just going to be living rent-free in your brain, in your memory, and it's for nothing. So really, it's time to treat that like Elsa and just let it go. grudge means that you are literally letting some slimy piece of shit live in your head rent-free. Stop that. We only have so many hours on this decaying planet, we don't need to waste it on people that don't give a shit about us. Something bad happens, let it go. Because holding on to it won't change the results. Okay? That doesn't mean that you have to be friends with the person or like the person. Hell, you can flat out dislike them. That's fine. You are allowed to dislike people. Hey, if you screw me over, good chance I'll never speak to you again. But that's not a grudge, okay? That's being proactive in deciding who exists in my life. All right, I know for a fact that several of my listeners struggle with this. They're pissed about something like that or, or you know, there's something ongoing that they really haven't gotten over this grudge. And it's, it's what we've talked about before when we talk about stoicism. And it, it's it's... My point is that it's so fluid and it, it, it lends itself to multiple facets of life. And this is just one of them, okay? This was me from last month. But, but we need to work on getting over it. But for now, let's check out my conversation with uh, Kevin Malone. And then uh, after that, we're going to do our code for check. So listen, guys, before, before we do the quick break, I understand things are getting under your collar. It's so easy for things to do that, to ruffle our feathers, you know, Life is not fair. Life as a cop is more unfair. I've definitely said that before. I remember that quote specifically. I think I've made my point. Here we go. Here yeah. is my conversation with Kevin hey. Malone. I work hard every motherfucking day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I work hard, I work hard every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But today is my day. It's my day. And no matter. To the spot, feeling real good. Think you gon' talk shit, you better not. My home is real hood. They say logic, why you do that? I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, they used to be like who that I don't know, I don't know. Now they know my name wherever I go. Used to think that's what I wanted, but now just don't know. No, I can't fuck with that nook if you bucking back. Yeah, I've been working, but I ain't got nothing back. Tell me the dilly now. Hold up, wait, really now. All of that shit you've been talking just silly now. It's as quick as you rise, just as quick as you could fall. Oh, no, 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 I can't fuck with that at all. Can't fuck with that at all. I work hard every motherfucking day, yeah, yeah, yeah. I work hard, I work hard. Okay, so uh, I was about three weeks off FTL, and this is about 23 years ago now, I guess. Uh, I was on a traffic stop one night, and, you know, I, I live in a, a rural part of the state, and I was about 70 miles away from really anything, and uh, I got my flashlight tucked up under my my left arm, and uh, all of a sudden I, I feel this, you know, uh, just something tells me to to look, you know, and, and check oncoming traffic, and I turn and look, and right as I look, 
I see this car speeding by me and he was probably doing, you know, at least, you know, I don't know, 85 or so. And, and I'm in a, oh, like wow. a 60, I'm in a 65 zone. And, uh, w- without hesitation, thought anything, I grabbed my flashlight and just hucked it as the car went by me <laughs> and, and totally yeah. took out the rear window and, and, and it kept going. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it floored it and took off and I'm sitting on, on the side of the road, you know, talking to this other driver and they're like, holy fuck. And I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I had to make That's the hard decision whether I was going to, uh, you know, call my sergeant and, and, and rep myself off or if I was going to even chase the car and, and try to get my uh-huh. flashlight back. I didn't chase the car. Um, I, I let the flashlight go and, uh, and waited for the complaint. There you go. Did it ever come or it, it didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Years later at, uh, at that Sergeant's retirement party, I told the story and he was like, Holy shit. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, I can think of, well, nowadays, I mean, you would be complained. You would probably have criminal charges on you for vandalism. It's just, it's a crazy world we've, uh, we've evolved into in 20 some years. So, that's a crazy story, but I've definitely heard different. Th- it's something about when people are whizzing by you at 60 some miles an hour or not more, you know, fight or flight. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah. I definitely skated. Um, you know, I, I let the, uh, the driver that I was with, I, I let them off with a warning and they were like, Hey, good luck. And I was like, Fuck, thanks. I think I, I think I need it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely a wake up call. Well, welcome to the 10, eight podcast. Uh, with me is under sheriff Kevin Malone. Thank you very much for that story. And thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We've been talking for a long time, probably since I started my page or maybe a little bit after that. And uh, you are kind of in a position different than the uh, normal uh, people that communicate with me as you are the dreaded admin that uh, (laughs) everyone is so scared to talk to at all times. And, you know, and it's unfair because, but but at the same time, I think there's just a misconception for us guys kind of on the bottom as opposed to what it is on, on top. And we're going to get to all that in just a little bit, talking about admin and, and how the job has evolved since you've gone up the way. But we're going to start very basic. So go ahead. I'll let you introduce yourself, and uh, we'll kind of roll from there. Sure. So my name's Kevin Malone. Um, like you said, I'm the undersheriff uh, of my agency, which I'll just leave as blank for now. Um, it's a small rural agency in Nevada. Um, we have about 40 sworn. Uh, of that, about half of that is detention. The other half is patrol. Uh, my, okay. my current duties is, you know, I kind of oversee a little bit of everything within the agency. Um, however, I have direct oversight of our investigations unit and something that you guys might not be that familiar with. But out west here, um, especially for the small rural areas, the sheriffs are also the, the coroner. So um, oh. I, I also oversee our coroner division and um, everything, you know, death related within our community. That's really interesting because down here, because I actually went to a conference and this was one of the seminars talking about the difference between a coroner and a medical examiner. And I think there's a third one that's escaping me at the moment, but so that's, that's very interesting. So it actually falls under law enforcement. Correct. Very cool. Well, very interesting, I should say. Um, so how did your career start? What were, where did, you know, 
how did your career progress? I guess I should say. You know, interesting enough, you know, I, I grew up, you know, in the uh, area that I serve and mm-hmm. um, it, I joined the Navy at the age of 20. When I got out of the Navy, I came home and I went to a career fair and uh, ran into a guy that I knew from the ship. And it was weird. Um, so we start talking mm-hmm. and long story short, I ended up going to work for the Nevada Department of Corrections at the time. And okay. um, ju- just, you know, as a my, my first job, I guess, post-Navy and get my foot in the door of law enforcement. And uh, shortly after that, uh, I decided to test for the Nevada Highway Patrol. And I had never taken a, a law enforcement test like that. So mm-hmm. I saw that my sheriff's office was testing. And I literally just wanted to take the test to see what it was like so I could prepare for the highway patrol test. And yeah. it, it went so good. Um, I ended up uh, accepting the job as a detention deputy, or I guess some, some areas might call them jailers. Uh, here, they're deputies. So um, I worked uh, in detention for just under five years, um, went out to the road. Uh, worked the road for uh, about another, um, she's 15, and uh, um, sorry, less than that, 17 or uh, 13 years. And uh, when my current sheriff was elected, he uh, promoted me to captain. And um, just, I guess, two years ago now, uh, moved up to undersheriff. And is that is that second in command? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because here I think we have... I don't even know what our sheriff's office rankings are, but I think it's like chief deputy or something like that. But meanwhile, we have, because then we have a deputy chief in the police department. So, you know, you never know which one's a deputy, which one's an officer. It's just, it gets confusing after a while. But, <laughs> right. So your, your agency's uh, on the rather small side, you said, is but you, there is an investigation division. Did you ever dabble in that at all? Or were you on the road the whole time? I did. So, you know, our agency is, uh, you know, I think a lot of rural small agencies are like this. Um, investigations is a rotating spot. So, okay. uh, so you know, I, you test for it. If you get uh, um, selected, you, you move in and you can, in our agency, you can either go to the drug task force or just work uh, kind of major crimes-ish. And it's literally, you know, if it's a felony, you know, you take it. It doesn't matter if it's a property crime or a homicide. Um, it's all yours. Mm-hmm. And in our agency, uh, we have we have three detectives, two uh, being in-house and, you know, one assigned to the drug task force. Um, I did do a stint in, uh, I guess, the in-house investigations. Um, I did that for um, just over three years and went back out to the road. Gotcha. Did you enjoy it? It's crazy. The, uh, the more violent the crime, the more I enjoyed it. Um, I hate mm-hmm. property crimes. Hate them. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, it's a necessarily necessary evil of both because, you know, right. you go long enough, you see that they're all, you know, related somehow. Mm-hmm. I think it's always, you know, I, I'm the same way, but at the same time, more people are going to encounter a property crime in their life than, you know, a, a heinous, violent personal crime. Um, so there's just so much more, you know, toaster detectives or, you know, people, you know, looking and following up on property crimes. But and, you know, if you're a detective, you want to go to the the major crimes or something like that. But that's not to discount or discredit property crimes either, you know, because 
at the end of the day, if my car gets stolen, you know, that's a big deal to me as it would be to you or, or the person that reported it. It's just not as glamorous or not as exciting or intricate as person crimes or homicides. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, like I said, you know, they're all related. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, you're either you're either looking for a doper who's who's slinging or using dope or who's bergen houses or committing those violent crimes. I mean, they're all related. It's, it's the same people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I said in an episode a little while ago, it's like the uh, circle of life on the streets. Like, you know, where, where do you fall in that web? You know, you're either going to be committing the crimes, be a victim of the crimes. And that's kind of the way it goes. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're in a big agency, like an NYPD or a Tampa or, or, you know, uh, LAPD or a small agency like yourself or somewhere in the middle, we all deal with the same thing. And that's what I really enjoy these conversations for is because we get to really see that it's all the same wherever you go. Absolutely. You know, uh, I mean, we, we deal with everything that, you know, you know, the big agencies do just on, you know, obviously a much smaller scale. Exactly. And, um, I don't know, it kind of, the one thing that I don't deal with, and I'm sure you deal with probably way more, and I just spoke to a different deputy or a former deputy, is I never deal with livestock. Do you, have, you, have you had to rank? <laughs> I, I'm sure I will you probably had to. I'll send you some pictures. Um, yes. So uh, we, uh, we deal with uh, livestock all the time. And uh, most of Nevada is what's called uh, public lands uh, managed by the Bureau of Land Management. And uh, a lot of the ranchers around here have grazing rights on that, on those public lands. So mm-hmm. uh, every now and then we'll, we'll deal with cows on the interstate and um, getting into yards. And, you know, the, the big thing is, you know, people uh, do their landscaping and they, they plant their rose bushes and things like that. And then, you know, the neighbor's cow gets in and, and eats everything and, and, and they, they get mad. And, and I, I understand their frustration but at the same time, it's, it's considered open grazing or, you know, um, so mm. it, it's Nevada is a fence out state. So if you want to protect your okay. shrubs, you get, you got to close the gate and put up a fence and, and all that. Otherwise the cows just run rampant. Right. And I was talking to someone, I think in New Mexico and they were, I think they have similar rules and regulations regarding that. And it's, you know, if you have a large plot of land, it's, it's your responsibility to, fence it all in. Otherwise, you know, you can't really get mad at your neighbor for their cows or sheep or whatever coming over and wrecking it. Right. You know, um, I'll, when we get done here, I'll, I'll send you a picture. Um, I'm going to have to find it though. Um, I got called once when I was still on patrol, I got called to a house where there was a cow in their basement. This guy, this guy worked <laughs> great. This guy worked graveyards. He was a single guy. He comes home at like seven, eight in the morning and just finds this cow in his basement. It, it's <laughs> oh <my> winter. <laughs> it's winter time. There's snow everywhere. So I get out there and, and this guy just happened to be a former deputy of ours. And, and he looks at me and he's like, look, I, I know it's not your job, but what the hell do I do here? <laughs> and uh, so mm-hmm. my partner and I, you know, we just like, okay, well, what do we do? And, and, you know, like, like everywhere, you know, cops are the problem solvers. You know, if you get called or dispatched to a scene, you're expected to know what to do. So mm-hmm. I, I get out there and I'm just like, I, I get in the basement and, you know, I've, I've never heard of a cow attacking anybody. So I, I'm not really worried. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I get down there and uh, this cow is pissed off. Um, it's probably about, <laughs> it's probably about a four year old steer and, uh, it's, it's just mad and it, it's mucked out this guy's entire basement. Mm. And, uh, luckily he had a, um, door and a, a staircase that led outside. And so I made my way over and I was able to open the door and I had to, uh, I had to make, piss him off and make him chase me up the stairs oh, to get him out God. there. And and the whole time I'm I'm just like, holy shit, this isn't the way I go out. Right? I mean, like, <laughs> like I cannot end up on a memorial, you know, getting trampled by a cow, mauled by a cow. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> these are stories that I miss in in the big city. Well, not even the big city in the city. Um, you know, I just. But you're talking about like cows on the interstate. To me, bef- before I had any knowledge of any of this, I was like, okay, that's not a big deal. But then people start saying, no, like you hit a cow going 60 miles an hour, <laughs> you guys aren't going to be walking away from it. Like it's a big deal. And right, it's just it's a crazy perspective that I definitely never put into into it. Um, so it's just crazy that you guys have to deal with it. Um, how are like narcotics up there? Is it pretty bad up there? Yeah. So we, uh, uh, obviously, you know, meth is, is the drug of choice mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it, it, it's weird for me. I don't know. I don't know how many years you have on, I think like four or five or seven or something like that. Yeah. But like when I, when I first started, you know, I remember putting a guy in prison when I was on FTO for just having a baggie of marijuana seeds. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, I feel horrible today, you know, because, it's, it's legal in our state now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this guy did like four or five years, but, uh, you know, meth is huge. Um, fentanyl has made its way here mm-hmm. and, um, we've, we've had quite a few deaths, um, within the last year or so. Um, and, uh, surprisingly one of our, uh, um, local police department detectives, um, was one of those deaths in, uh, June. Oh, wow. So, so, and, um, so yeah, so it's here and, um, cocaine, not so much heroin coming, comes and goes, but, uh, meth seems to be the, uh, the drug of choice. Still. Yeah. And for some reason, you know, that went down for a little bit when everyone started busting the labs and everything, but now it's kind of making a resurgence and nothing's homegrown. Everything's brought in, which is, you know, another big mess that's a whole different topic for different conversation but yeah it's same here um heroin is very very much a thing down here uh fentanyl uh nine times out of ten if you're making a heroin bust it's gonna have fentanyl in it um it's just the we probably as a county no i can't even say that just i know that we have several overdoses per week some get brought back by narcan some don't um, and it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. The numbers. And it, I think per average, we had something like one OD death per day last year. So, wow. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, that would cripple my community. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. And I've even, I've even tried to be a little empathetic. Like if you have been a 20, 30 year heroin user and now it's starting to get um, stronger because of the fentanyl and people are overdosing. I can almost be empathetic about that. Like, okay, like, you know, this is your life choice, whatever. Unfortunately, I kind of get it. If you are a 20 something 
and you know you get hooked up in heroin you know the end of the story you know what's going to happen like how how can you even say that this is the way i'm going to go but i've never been a drug addict so i can't really empathize with them but it's just crazy i just i i remember yelling at one person that we just brought it brought back and i'm like how how could you do this like and you know when when you're chasing that high that that's all you care about you don't care about nothing else right you know talk about the the fentanyl you know some people think that they're just buying a a zanny bar off the street and you know really it's fentanyl and and you know they're getting the high that they wanted but um you know it they're not coming back from it. So, right. Right. Um, but I, I got to ask, you know, what's, uh, what's it like being a, you know, just a patrolman and using Narcan on somebody. So to use it, I mean, at, it's not even a big deal anymore. Like it's just, so we, we were first issued Narcan for ourselves. Like God forbid you get an accidental exposure. Your buddy can take your Narcan and, and take care of you. Um, but then obviously our, duty to act when you walk up to an overdose ems is still a couple minutes out and people started popping it um it's weird because sometimes and a lot more recently one dose won't do it so a single dose of narcan is like four milligrams i think and it won't do it you need that but by just giving them that one injection or, or one uh, one spray into the nose because it's just like a flow nase type of thing right it's um you can at least start seeing some results. It won't be a full thing, but I will say that. So I, I gave a dude Narcan once he didn't come back right away. Step out. EMS comes in very small hotel room. And then, you know, they do it. He comes back up. He's sitting up like, and I mean, this man was dead. He was purple. He was cold, not cold, but he was not warm. And uh, he come came all the way back. Well, it turns out my man had a warrant. And so I'm standing next to him and I had an idea and I'm coming in to like to cuff him up. And sure enough, they, they say on the air, cause we're plain talk. They say he has a warrant and he gets up and tries to run. Well, his legs are still very much jello. So he falls down and he, he doesn't, I'm like, dude, you were dead. Not even two minutes ago. What are you doing? And then, you know, he, he took the ride, but it's, it's just crazy. But you know, and, and I make a joke every once in a while that sometimes cops, use narcan for everything so you get on scene right. and someone's unconscious it doesn't necessarily mean they're drug overdose but they're going to get narcan up their nose anyway and it's like oh my god thank god there's no adverse effects for doing that <laughs> but right I, th- I think that that's why they give it to cops um, yeah yeah so exactly I, i'm 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 pretty well versed in it um i mean you you've seen my my screen name moto medic mm-hmm. um you know out out here you know it was being such you know vast open areas you know we were always you know i guess made or taught to go to all medical calls Mm -hmm. so um you know i got sick of uh after a couple years i got sick of you know beating the ambulance there and you know you know you you check for abcs and uh, you know to cops most of the time that means you know ambulance be coming (laughs) (laughs) i like that one but uh, you know, out here it's like, okay, shit. You know, what do I do? Mm. And uh, so, I, you know, I put myself through EMT school, and you know, eventually a couple of years later, paramedic school. And uh, you know, so I, I, I've given Narcan, you know, in the in the clinical setting, and you know, and taking care of patients and stuff like that. But uh, surprisingly, never as a patrolman. Okay. So, 
like I, I've, I've had to go back and forth between, you know, cop and medic, you know, multiple times, but uh, you know, and all in the same scene, mm-hmm. but uh, I've, I've never been able to give, you know, Narcan, you know, in, in that setting. And um, honestly, I was always a little bit jealous that I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's weird because I've seen it where they come up fighting. Like everyone says, like when they get right. when they come back, they come back fighting. I've seen that. Uh, I've seen it where they come back and they're just sick. Like they literally, they'll sit straight up and just projectile vomit, Linda Blair kind of thing. And you just hope you're not in the, in the crosshairs of that. I've seen that. Um, and then of course I've seen it where they have to get loaded up and get more Narcan and, um, but yeah, there's just different different realms of it. I will say I've never done it. Maybe it's just me and my compartmentalization of it. But me hitting them with the Narcan, them coming back and be like, "Wow, I just saved this guy's life!" Like I never, you know, it's just it's just the job. You know what I mean? But uh, it's definitely an experience because when you start unboxing it later and you're like, "Wow, this guy was like, he was out. Like it was it was it was legit." it just gets frustrating right. when you know next week he's doing the exact same thing and you're like man <laughs> you know that that's where the frustration part lies right i mean we're starting to see or our guys are starting to see you know people going to the store and buying their own narcan yeah oh yeah you know and yeah. and, and you know for the same reason you know cops first started carrying it you know if i go down then my buddy can take my narcan and save me yeah you know like the, the you know, the dopers are, are caught on to that and they're not doing the same. Yeah. And, you know, I was I was actually thinking about that because we busted somebody and there were there were boxes of Narcan and we were kind of like talking down on it. Like, oh, they got their own Narcan. And I'm like, well, you know what? That's probably for the better. You know what I mean? If they're paying for it, it's better than the taxpayer paying for it and us using it. So maybe maybe I won't be so cynical about dopers having their own Narcan just because maybe we can save our supply a little bit. I don't know, but, uh, it's fun. So, so you're, you're a trained medic as well. Uh, I'm not anymore. Um, after, uh, so after I joined, uh, the administration ranks, um, the first year I had two patient contacts and, you know, anybody in medicine knows that that's very dangerous. So, Mm. um, I, I just didn't have the time to dedicate to it. So, um, I gave up, all of my licensure and um, just became that full-time admin guy. <laughs> yeah. I always, since I began, um, I always thought we should have at least at the very basics have EMT training. We have in the Academy, we have a, I think 40 hour block of first aid. So you, you do know CPR and, and things like that. The ABCs, as you say, but um, you know, so many times, like you said, we beat the ambulance and it's like, there was one time we had a, it was a suspicious person call. We get there and this lady is like on her back next to like a high rise. And she's like, I fell and it, it's a tall thing. And we're like, from where? And she's like, she didn't know she was on drugs, but we kind of deduced that she was on, she was climbing up the balconies and she got to like the fifth one. She slipped and landed in a patch of grass or, or bushes or whatever. And she was all like jigsawed, but she was still okay. And we're standing there like, all right, we'll just stay right there. Don't move. And uh, you hear the you hear the sirens. They're coming. So just just hold hold what you got. <laughs> <laughs> right. And she's looking at us like, can you help help me? And I'm like, just trust me. I'm helping you more by doing this than actually trying to do anything. You know. Right. It's just I wish we had a little bit more. I always said that if I wasn't a cop, I'd probably go paramedic just because the medical side does interest me, um, and I'd still be able to assist people. But 
literally I'm, I'm more than useless on most uh, medical call scenes. I'll sit there and be like, I'll hold whatever I will, you know, what, tell me what to do. And it's usually just, absolutely. If they're in there working a code or something, you know, I mean, psych, you know, take turns cycling in and out on CPR, yeah. you know, hold their IV bags, you know, run to the run to the bus and get them whatever they need yeah that's um i am like the best gopher on medical calls just tell me what to do and i will go do it but i think one guy said like if you want to help don't do anything and and you're going to help more than and so that's what that's kind of been my my go-to so anyway let's let's talk a little bit about the the admin position that you that you hold and we'll kind of talk about that and how it relates to your guys on the road so uh, i know you said it but just to kind of go back to it. How long have you been in a, an administrative position? Uh, six years now. Okay. So it was, um, four of that was as a uh, captain with uh, direct oversight over um, just patrol. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, last two years it's been as the undersheriff. Okay. So in that, what are some of the responsibilities you have? So again, um, you know, I oversee, you know, a little bit of every division we have, um, so like patrol captain, detention captain, um, they they don't necessarily answer to me, but um, I have some oversight of their divisions and uh, help them out with that. Um, I also um, put together our uh, I control our corner program or oversee our corner program, direct oversight of investigations, um, dispatch, um, yeah, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, uh, when it comes to time to order cars, um, you know, I talk to everybody and see what the, uh, best new gizmos and gadgets mm-hmm. are for patrol units and, um, see if I can get them put into the budget. Um, I put together the budgets for, or have oversight in the budgets for, uh, all three divisions that we have. So um, before you took this position, did you have any idea how to do any of that? Not a clue. <laughs> so how did how did you end up learning how to put together a budget like that, that and all these different like orderings and and I don't know if you have to, you're in charge of grant writing or stuff like that, but I just know all that stuff is so over my head. So how did you come to learn how to do all that? So I had some really good um, mentors. Okay. Um, my my sheriff is really good at at it. Um, prior to him being elected, he was he worked for the state and. Um, he oversaw uh, the building of our uh, one of our fusion centers here, and um, so he he brought all that knowledge with him and and showed me the ropes. Um, but also um, one of my old uh, EMS bosses, um, he was really good at a, a lot of that. And you know, when I ever whenever I ran into a snag, you know, you know, trying to save face, I, I'd always call him before I went to the sheriff and you know and try to figure it out. And, right that said a lot of it, you just jump in and, and ask questions. And, um, you know, if, if you're putting together, you know, a budget, um, go to your comptroller and say, Hey, look, this is the first time I've ever done this. Or, you know, I'm, I'm confused. I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's no, there's no shame in jumping in, you know, head first and not having a clue what's <laughs> really there, right. you know, as, as long as you ask the, those questions and, and get that direction. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, um, so what, what have you done or what have you uh, been able to do to kind of stay connected with the, the patrol level or the, the, you know, more the, the boots on the ground kind of thing? 
right? So that's probably one of the most important parts of my position. And, you know, what I tell our people is my main job is to get them all the training, get them the equipment, you know, whatever I have to do to make their lives at work more comfortable, um, you know, uh, make sure that they're trained to do the job. They have all the equipment they need to do the job, you know, and set them up for future success as well. So, um, I mean, we hold meetings all the time where uh, we get together. And again, it, it's a lot easier in a small agency. Mm-hmm, like sure. ours. Yeah. I, I, could, I couldn't imagine, you know, NYPD, you know, the, that brass really giving a shit about what mm-hmm. the, the first, yeah. you know, second year, you know, patrolman says. But, um, you know, so we get together and, and we just chat, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not above going out to a scene and helping them. And, you know, and I tell them, you know, if I show up, it's not to take over, it's to help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a, uh, we had a mining accident out here a couple of years ago and, uh, it was a fatal and, and, you know, I think 11 people got hurt oh, and wow. two people got killed. And, uh, you know, I went out and I mean, that big thing is, you know, once you put on those stars or bars, you know, you're, you're no better than, you know, what you used to do, yeah, yeah. you know? And, and, uh, a lot of people, you know, will look at you to, to take over that scene. And if you do, you're doing them a huge disservice. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you take over for that Sergeant, you know, that Sergeant's going to quit making decisions. And it also tells the people on the ground that you can skip that Sergeant and go straight to the boss or the brass. And, and, you know, you, you just can't handle that. So, you know, while I have an open door policy, they just can't come to me and ask it, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for any, for anything specific, you know, um, they, they have to go through their sergeant. Um, they can, they, anybody can come by and say hi anytime they want. And, uh, but if it's, you know, one of the harder questions, you know, they got to go through their sergeant, but at the same time, you know, you gotta, being in a small agency, you know, those, those sergeant positions, those detective positions get tied up for years. Um, so it, it, you got to get creative to keep your people happy. You know, every, everybody wants that, wants that trajectory and they want to keep moving up. They want to keep learning and bettering themselves, you know, but they tend to get stale and stagnant, you know, if they sit in one position for too long. So you got to get creative, you know, whether it's with grants and like, I don't know about where you guys are at, but, um, we have the, uh, office of traffic safety joining forces, out here and and you know we get grants from the state to um for overtime mm-hmm. ventures for you know go out and target speeding you know jaywalking things like that so you know we're, we're really big into that and uh i mean come on who 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 doesn't want to go out and work an easy four-hour overtime shift just covering you know some si- simple traffic right stuff right and, i have like three of know. them this weekend it's great <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. You know, bring home some extra coin and, and call it good. But, uh, you know, other things that we do are, you know, um, we built a, uh, uh, off-road program where we get with the, um, we sent, you know, deputies off to training and, uh, we have some, uh, off-road vehicles and, and motorcycles and, um, we get them out in the hills patrolling them and, and, uh, checking on campers and hunters and, you know, fishermen and, and things like that. And, um, and I actually put deputies in charge of those programs, mm-hmm. you know, so 
So it kind of sets them up for success and they kind of get that, you know, administrative type experience. So when it does come time to test for sergeant, you know, they, they have that experience and, and uh, they bring it with them. Yeah, for sure. I think so many people on, you know, the patrol or entry level position, just they see the, the brass, the admin as like, you know, to coin a phrase, the ivory tower, like they're just untouchable. They have nothing, no idea of what we're doing down here. They don't care what we're doing down here. And it's, it's not the case. I mean, sure. I'm sure there are several administrators out there. They won't admit it, but do think like that. Um, but I think for the most part and, and talking to you has been a, a great eye opener, um, that that's not the case. Right. Um, I mean, so like these people are my kids, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it like that. Um, uh, like, so we, we got one of our sergeants that's older than me, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I remember what it was like to come up in the job and, um, my first sheriff, um, I knew him prior to getting into law enforcement, but I actually quit knowing him then because he never wanted to talk to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, if you wanted to go see the boss, like you had to have a reason and a good reason. And other than that, you, you just left the man alone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it, it was disheartening because he was one of the reasons why I wanted to get into to this job. Right. And, uh, so I, I just said, you know, I'll never be like that. And I talked to everybody on a first name basis. You know, I mean, with they, they show me the respect. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like they, they call me, you know, us or, or whatever, but, uh, you know, I, I call them by their first names, you know, it, it keeps everything a little bit more personal. And, you know, I get to know the names of their families. I get to know, you know, their spouses, if they have one or, or their children, or at least know their names and, and, you know, understand what's going on in their lives. So if they come to work and they have a shitty day and they get a complaint for, you know, take talking to somebody bad, you know, you, you can, you can get a glimpse into their personal yeah. life and, and understand, you know, kind of why they might be that way. Absolutely. I think a lot of times, you know, we just, in general, just the human condition wants to be felt. We, you know, we, we don't want to be seen as just a number, you know? So there you go, uh, addressing people by their name, um, showing that a, I know who you are B, um, you know, if you, especially if you bring up their family, their kids, whatever it might be, I know your family, you know, and that all that, tied together really makes it much more personable. Now it's not like, Oh, you're just this staunch figure upstairs. There's that connection. That's very important. And I think that really helps morale for the, for the entire uh, department. Absolutely. And uh, you know, it's funny you, you say, you know, I'm not, I'm not just that guy upstairs. My office is actually right next to our squad room mm-hmm. and, and I, I keep it that way um, just so I can stay close to them. I mean, I, I never undermine their, their, sergeants or their captain but um you know i I want that personal connection with them and you know again i'll I'll show up to their scenes and just be like hey what do you need you know i'm here to help Mm -hmm. direct traffic cool you know i i'm not above anything you know yeah and and i think that's that's important i think you know well first off I, I like that. Obviously, you you say you're not taking over because one, they need to learn. I mean, that's just like a senior guy, a senior patrol officer, getting to a to a rookie's call. Like, I'm not going to take over. I'll help you if you need help. But this is you, so that's good. Um, you know, but the fact that you're even just out there is amazing because I know so many top brass they won't even step foot on a scene. You know, unless it's like super high profile and their name's going to get in the paper. 
Right, right. When the media shows up, that that's cue the sheriff, you know. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, or the chief, or, yeah. or 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 whoever, you know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely not like that. And if there are going to be pictures taken, you know, I, I shove them in the limelight. You know, that it it's their call. They're the ones, you know, they're the face of the agency. I'm I'm just the guy that gets them everything that they need to succeed. Yeah. But uh, but don't get me wrong, like there's a there's a whole different aspect that nobody sees. Um, you know, the political side where you got to keep, you know, the, the county commission happy, the comptroller, the county manager, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I got I got to be the buffer between, you know, that person that knows the sheriff and can go complain to the sheriff. Mm-hmm. And I got to take that, that complaint from the sheriff and, you know, deal with it in a way that makes the sheriff happy, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you know, completely kill the morale of the agency as well, or, or that deputy. And so, um, it, it's, sometimes it's a fine balance, but, uh, you know, what I like to tell people is it, is it all goes back to just the, the basics that you were taught as a kid, or you should have been taught as a kid, treat everybody the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm you know, leave, leave something a little bit better than the way you found it. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you've been with the agency, you've been in law enforcement long enough that you have the wisdom. So if someone does have an issue or whatever, or let's just say it's a disciplinary thing that you can, you now have the knowledge and the ability to kind of work through it as opposed to just being heavy handed. And I think the whole, everything that you've said, everything that you've experienced and and kind of share with us so far, is just this giant puzzle that you've kind of pieced together to make it obviously a safe and functional uh, workplace. So that's all that sounds great. But you know, in these days, unfortunately, morale, I think in a lot of agencies is just low, you know, just everyone's so taxed mentally and physically for just working everything. What are some things that you've done? I don't know how the, I mean, you're kind of in a small rural County, so I can imagine that it probably didn't hit you guys as hard as some of the more metropolitan areas, but what have you done over the past year or so to kind of keep morale up? for your guys? Man, that is a good question. You know, it, it, it's been tough lately, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, these last, these last four years, five years, actually longer than that. Um, you know, before Trump was even elected, it, it was tough. Um, you know, the things we do, um, you know, I, I tell them what they do matters. Um, I, I tell them that the silent majority is still there and, they support us. And, um, you know, like you said, it's a bit different in in a smaller community, but fortunately we have a really um, strong community that, um, that does back their law enforcement still. So we don't deal with it, you know, on a, on a large scale, like probably you do or Minneapolis or, you know, my God, you know, Portland, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel for those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, so, you know, I, again, I, I tell them what they do matters. Um, I take care of them the best way that I can by getting them the best equipment. You know, we, we realized that um, we didn't have any right gear. I mean, up until just, you know, a year ago, we didn't, we've never had a need for it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we were like, well, you know, Antifa and, you know, a couple of these other groups are moving through smaller communities and trying to take over. So let's protect our people. So, you know, I got our, our SWAT commander and a few other people and Hey, you know, this is the amount of money that we can spend. 
see what you can get. And if you need more, come see me, you know? And, uh, so, you know, we, we put them in charge and gave them a, uh, a voice in the needs of the agency and the way the, the agency needs to, uh, what direction we need to go. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I mean, my house, I, I live pretty rural. I live two miles down a dirt road. I don't have many neighbors. So in the summertime, my wife and I'll go fishing in Oregon and crabbing and we'll bring back, um, like last time it was 73 pounds of crab oh, and wow. like four, 40 pounds of salmon. <laughs> so, uh, a buddy of mine has a barbecue trailer. So we invited him over, we threw all the food on and I invited the entire agency, um, come up you know, the public isn't going to see you, uh-huh. you know, let loose, let loose, do what you want to do, you know, within reason, yeah. Ch- um, check your phones get, at the door, you know, absolutely. <laughs> you know, don't, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, don't become a meme. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Cause I'll find you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and just give them that opportunity to, you know, take the badge off and the belt off and, and just be who you are, you know, outside of the job. And, and uh, have some beers and, and camaraderie with, with your partners, Yeah, you know, but I mean, the dispatch gets to come, detention gets to come, um, you know, all the clerical staff, uh, everybody, That's you good. know, that's good. That's really good. And so, um, I will be stopping by next time you're doing one of these, by the way. Absolutely, man. You make it out here. You're, you're, you're more than welcome. That's great though. Um, you know, here, even, I don't know. I think it's just kind of jaded at this point, but if there's like a department gathering, I'm just like, nah, I'm not interested. Like, you know, I'd much rather get my, get my squad of like six or seven guys and we'll go out for beers and dinner and whatever. But that's, I think that's just more personal than the department because the department tries, um, you know, they throw little things like, well, not in the coronaverse, but you know, Christmas parties and, and things like that and community days and stuff. But that's good to interact with your, and I, I've said this forever. It's good to interact with your people off duty as well. And, you know, sometimes I know some agencies and some command that just say, no, don't do squad gatherings. Don't do shift parties. Cause that's where bad things happen. But you, you could, there's a balance. You can definitely do that and not be reckless either. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I've worked for those people and, and I, I've been, you know, where you're at with like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm out, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I don't want to go, you know, you know, kiss the boss's ass today. You know, <laughs> I've been there. Right. Right. Um, or, or just walking in, seeing him like, it's a trap. I'm going to, I'm going to wind up. In IA it, 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 yeah, exactly. Not today. I, eh? yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, and, and whether they show up or not, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that, that, you know, my entire team loves me, you know, there's, there's those that don't and, and that that's okay. But, you know, at least they see me making the effort. Yeah. You know, asking the questions and, 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 you know, I, I do listen to them, you know, whether, whether I take, you know, their advice and, and, you know, put that to, to the task or, or whether I, you know, just ignore it and, and move on, you know, it's, I do listen and, um, I also try to share with them why I make the decisions I do, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to be, you know, subordinate to them, but at the same time, let them try to understand why they didn't get their way, you know, mm-hmm. or, or why this decision was made, even though it pisses them off and, 
you know, if it's a bad decision, most of the time I'm not going to like it either, but there's a reason it's got to be made. Right. Right. And that's, that's good. And the, the transparency, I think just goes the extra mile, even if it's a decision the guys don't like, you don't like uh, it, the transparency is what makes the difference. Cause sometimes it'll be like, well, why was this decision made? And that's it. Like no, no answers. We're just, uh, and th- then that's where the kind of in talk goes Oh Well, he just doesn't give a shit about us, but you have this open door policy. You have this transparency, not again, not that you're being subordinate, but the transparency goes beyond just the, uh, you know, what, what it, the opposite would be. Right. So that's really good. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, we have a chief now, where I work and he does, he comes out to calls and not, not just comes out to assist. Like if we are getting slammed, if you know, if it's a very busy Saturday night and he happens to come in, I've heard him come up on the radio several times and say, Hey, dispatch, send me, send me a pending call. Let me clear this off the screen for you. And he'll, he'll work a call. And and we're not just talking telephone handles or whatever. He's like, Hey, send me the, the missing juvenile. I'll, I'll, I'll get it started. And everyone's like, chief, are you okay? And he's like, no, no, no. Like you guys are down. Let, let me, I, I know how to do this. And he's, he's fairly new. So cops are inherently skeptical. So I was like, oh, he's just <laughs> doing it. For, he's just doing it for show. Cause he's brand new, but he continues to do this. And I'm like, you know what, whether he's doing it for show or not, I appreciate it. So it kind of goes the same way with, with you coming out and assisting your guys. And with, with all of it, just showing the effort goes a long way. That's, that was what I was trying to get out. Absolutely. Thanks. And I, I appreciate that. You know, I mean, we, we have some senior guys that, you know, they're, they're a bit crusty. I mean, they're, they're good dudes, but you know, they're, they're cynical and, you know, and, and uh, you show up, they're like, ah, what do you want? You know, and yeah. uh, they, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they expect you to take over and you're just like, Hey, Sarge, man, it's not like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, if, if you don't need my help, cool. Tell me I'll, I'll move on. Um, mm-hmm. But if you want my help, dude, I'm, I'm an extra body, you know, tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that said, if, if you just need the mentoring, you know, Hey, cool. Let me know. Like let's, let's work through this together. Yeah. And that's, that's all that's needed. Sometimes it's just a little, like, you know, I'm sure most sergeants they can handle on their own, but every once in a while you'll get this like wacky call and you're like, well, I have no idea how to deal with this, you know, and, and kind of go from there. So having that opportunity when it presents itself is definitely great. So uh, once again, I want to thank you for your assistance and, and your conversation today. It was great. We're going to wrap the conversation up by playing Signal 3, which is uh, basically a whole bunch of random rapid-fire questions. Don't think about them too hard, and uh, just give me your best answer. All right? All right. Let's go. All right. Here we go. If you could identify with any sandwich, what would it be? Salami and Swiss. Ooh, okay. On, on what bread? Uh, it's got to be a sub. Okay. My, I, I grew up in a submarine sandwich and ice cream parlor place, my uh, a little deli that my parents owned. So my go-to is always salami and Swiss. Nice. That's a good one. I'll give you that one. What is your dream vacation destination? Either Ireland or um, go back to St. Martin. Ooh, okay. Those are like two different worlds. So, the, so yes. you, you win either way. I've been, I've been to St. Martin twice and that place just gets more amazing each time. And I'd love to go back. Yeah. I've talked on end about my trip to Ireland, so I won't go into it, but I haven't gone anywhere like super pretty and tropical. I was supposed to go to the Bahamas next month, but that got canceled. So I, I got to do something because going crazy over here. Um, all right. What's your favorite movie? 
Uh, I'm going to butcher the name a little bit, but I think it's uh, We Used to Be Soldiers. Okay. I don't think I've seen that one. That's, uh, that's a great leadership movie right there. Okay. I'll, I'll have to check it out. Uh, what's your go-to day off alcoholic drink? Oh, uh, you know me. We've had this conversation. It's going to be uh, bourbon, um, either yes. something like Maker's Mark or uh, there's, there's a new distillery here uh, close to me that I think I even told you I was going to send you a bottle. It's called Fry Ranch. Um, yes. Yeah, it's it's delicious. Is it? Is it? Now, how do you take it? Do you do it neat on the rocks? What do you do? Uh, on the on the rocks with a little bit of uh, water. Okay. I was just gonna say my dad's go-to is Maker Mark, so you're you're hitting the right thing with that. Yeah, good stuff. There's a uh, I, I'm trying to think of where I saw it. I don't know if it was Netflix or or what, but uh, there's a, a documentary out there on the uh, Buffalo Trace Distillery. You should look for okay. it and and watch it. It's it's pretty cool. Nice, nice. I will have to check that out. What's your favorite cop movie? Huh. I don't know. Hmm. Die Hard? Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I don't know. Or uh what's the uh what's the one where the uh LAPD guys are in uh Compton? Um Training Day? Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't I don't watch a lot of cop movies. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think if anyone asked me that question, I'd probably go with like Training Day just cuz it's so typical, but I'm not Right. I do it for 12 hours a day, like five days a week. I don't need to watch it when I'm off duty. However, I will say recently I've been binge watching um, The Wire for the first time. So ah, that is okay. like that's the one cop related TV show that I'm actually like hooked on. So I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's it's based on like Baltimore narcotics detectives. It's it's really good. Okay. Highly recommend it. What was your high school mascot? The Buckaroo. Okay. Bu- bucking horse with a, a bronc rider on it. Nice. Nice. Uh, what's your favorite donut? Chocolate bar. Or uh, no, cinnamon roll. Okay. I like yeah. those too. Yep. I'll give you that. That's, that's very good. Every time someone answers that, I'm like, oh, that's a good one. And it's it could be a different donut every time. They're all sound good. What is a pet peeve of yours regarding the public and law enforcement? Um, this is probably everybody's. Um, the I don't know really how to describe it, but, uh, the TV mentality, um, Mm -hmm. a, a thinking that, uh, you know, everything gets solved within, you know, 30 minutes or less, Mm -hmm. um, and an arrest is made, um, you know, or just that, uh, you know, if there's a OIS or something, you know, the cops back to work, you know, within hours sometimes. And, um, they, they don't, they don't really take into, you know, the, the bullshit that we all go through. So, yeah. Yeah. There's, I was trying to think if there's ever been like an accurate representation of like post officer involved shooting, but I, I don't think so. Not fictional. At least it's all just too dramatized. Like there's no, nothing to do with like, first off the mental anguish that goes involved in all in that is involved with it, which I don't even know about, but um, yeah, I think it, you're right. So, and yeah. And yeah, I mean, just thinking that, uh, I mean, I think one of the ways that you and I first connected were was, uh, you know, through the mental health of the job. And, right. uh, um, you know, I, I sent you a book because it was a book that really helped me out of some um, mm-hmm. deep times. And, uh, um, you know, I, I was in a shooting in 2012. I got shot in the head and, oh, wow. um, you know, books like that. And, uh, you know, anything from uh, Gil Martin or... Uh, 
Yeah. Grossman, Dave Grossman. But, uh, you know, that, that's really what, uh, you know, kept my head straight and got me through the, the stuff until I could come back to work and, you know, and then just kind of, you know, go on and, and, uh, as unfortunately our, our other people go through an OIS when they do, you know, gives me that, uh, that experience to sit and talk with them and, and, um, you know, let them know, you know, it's okay. You know, like, like you're not expected to come back to work tomorrow and, and be solid. Like, like take some days or weeks off even, and, and, you know, get your head straight and talk to people. And if you, you know, need anybody to talk to, I'm there where I can give you a list of some really great people. Mm, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up the book. I want to publicly thank you for sending me that book. It's one of the best books I ever read and I wish I read it sooner. Uh, I've talked about it in the past, but I do want to thank you for that book. That was very absolutely, nice. absolutely. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I've now recommended it to like everybody that I, that I come across. Like if, you know, no matter what this, it should be like mandatory Academy reading. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. And, uh, we actually, in our FTO period, um, we mandate it and, and it's funny, we got all these baby cops and, uh, they're, they're reading this and they're like, I'll never be like that. And literally within their first year, they're like, my God, I'm glad you made me read that book, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, could I, could I get a copy of it again so I could thumb through it again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say, and I, I said it when I was talking about the book that not only should police officers and prospective police officers read it, but I think they should also then pass it over to their spouse or their family and be like, Hey, read this. Cause this is, this is what's coming. And it's, you know, it's, my family is a police family. My dad was a cop, so they kind of understood it already. Um, so I didn't, I haven't passed it along to them, but definitely like my girlfriend or, or her family or whatever, you know, it's very important to know what, what is going on behind the scenes, so to speak. Absolutely. And just for your listeners, uh, for those of you that don't know, we're talking about emotional survival for law enforcement by Dr. Kevin Gilmartin. Yes. Thank you very much for that <laughs> plug. <laughs> All right, back to signal three. Uh, what is your favorite? What has been your favorite police car? Oh, the Tahoe, Chevy Tahoe, hands down. Uh, my first one was a Crown Vic. Um, you know, I'm six foot three. I, I hate getting into cars anyway. Um, you know, the Crown Vics were bulletproof, but I'll go with a Tahoe every day. Yep. Uh, I've been uh, kind of bragging about my brand new Tahoe. Well, it's not brand new, but brand new to me, Tahoe. Uh, that I got last week. It's just, I came from a cramped Impala. So now that I'm in a Tahoe, oh my God, it is, it's like Disney world. It's the happiest right. place on earth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if if you were walking into the biggest moment of your life, what is your walk on song? Either guns and roses night train. Okay. Or um, Motley Crue primal scream. Nice. Okay. Kind of getting the, the hair metal vibe. Oh, that's, absolutely. That's <laughs> yeah. I like it. What was your childhood dream job? I'm doing it, man. Um, I, uh, I always wanted to be either a fireman, a cop or a, a medic. And, you know, in the Navy, everybody's a fireman. So I got a taste of that. And since then, uh, you know, I've been both medic and cop and, you know, I'm, I'm nice. looking forward to that. Trinity. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that retirement gig where I just become Forrest Gump and mow lawns or something. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's the goal. You're almost there. What has been your proudest moment in law enforcement? Um, probably going to the uh, FBI National Academy. Nice. If anybody ever gets a chance to go, I always thought it was for you know elitists. 
I had the opportunity to go. So, you know, I, I put my money where my mouth was and went and met, you know, law enforcement leaders from literally all over the world and realized that we are all in the same boat together and um, we all deal with the same problems and, um, you know, have, you know, 260 plus lifelong friends now. That's great. That's great. I've seen, you know, my brass and other people put that as their email signature and I never really dove into it, but that's, that's great that there's such uh, a connection through that. So I, I don't know how close to Orlando you are, but uh, or, Orlando Rolon, the new uh, Orlando police chief, was my roommate at the National Academy. Okay. Yeah. I'm about an hour and a half away or so. So okay. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Describe your significant other in one word. Amazing. Very nice. It's very important to have that kind of support in this job. Yeah. I mean, she's to give you a little bit of the caliber of a person she is. Five days after I proposed to her, I got shot and she stuck it out and trial by fire a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. If that doesn't test your uh, your relationship, nothing really will. If you could share one meal with one person dead or alive that you never met, who would it be and what would you order? Um, it'd probably just be a burger and fries because that's just it's my go-to like, cheat day meal, I guess. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person would probably be, uh, if anybody, Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. I mean, his, his leadership was just amazing. Yep. He is definitely my number one favorite president. So we're on the same boat with that one. Uh, what is the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Play the game. They, uh, an old sergeant that uh, I had growing up or coming up in the job. You know, I was I was having a bad day once, and and honestly, it was the day that the admin pissed me off, and uh, I thought I knew better. And he told me to uh, just play the game, figure out what their game was, and play it. That's a good one. I like that. And uh, you know, that's. I think that's the key for career survival in this is just play the game. I like it. What is your favorite late night snack? Potato chips. I, I, okay. I can't, I can't buy them because like if, if even I get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom or something, like I, I'll grab them and I'll, I'll munch on them. So easy to go through an entire bag before you know it. All right. If you last one, if you were stuck in a foxhole, who would you want to be trapped with to help you get out? Jocko. Jocko yeah. Willink. I mean, like, a guy'd probably just throw me out at the enemy and uh, lead, <laughs> right. but uh, I mean him or you know somebody you know like uh, Dan Crenshaw or you know somebody that's absolutely seen the worst of battle but you know continues to uh, be a leader within uh, whatever community that they're in. Yeah, absolutely. I think I feel like Jocko is like modern day Batman. Like he's yeah, just, absolutely. He's just so strong in in mental fortitude physical fortitude it's just i think he actually the last conversation i had with someone about leadership was like my second episode and we talked about uh, extreme ownership which is a jocko book and uh i i bought the book literally as we were having the interview and i still haven't read it yet because i just i have a growing pile of books on my coffee table but oh get your highlight get your highlighter ready I mean, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, I, I have a copy of it right here on my shelf. <laughs> I think from what uh, my guest that day told me is like, that's like one of the ones you need to read if you're going to be a leader. Absolutely.
Very good. All right. So that was my interview and conversation with Undersheriff Kevin Malone. Thank you so much for giving me an hour of your time and, and kind of telling us about what it's like out there in Nevada. It's the first time I've ever said it right. Usually I say Nevada. And, uh, <laughs> we'll, and we'll correct uh, you. <laughs> yeah, every single time. <laughs> Someone corrects me. So I'm, I'm working on it. Uh, but thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Is there any, uh, anything you would like to plug social media wise, your personal or, or anything you want to leave my listeners with? Uh, no, just, uh, you know, if you're thinking about promoting and getting into that, you know, supervisory role, you know, be strong, um, you know, do your research, you know, strive every day to better yourself and remember to always take care of your people before you, before yourself. Perfect. That is great words of wisdom to end our conversation. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, we will get with you soon. Everyone listening, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thanks. Kevin Malone for his time and that amazing interview. I hope you guys really, you know, open your eyes and you're seeing things a little differently, just like it worked for the dispatcher episode and, and so on. We'll do, we'll do more. As we wrap up today's show, my code for check is kind of an offshoot of the grudge conversation, but not really. It's probably more positive than that. Uh, my code for check is going to make sure that we all have a strong support group and that we have enough people away from the job to actively work as that support. And I can tell you that for me, it's tough. For me, I can feel so alone outside of work. It's hard making and keeping friends outside of the job. Listen, we work a lot, okay? A lot of overtime, especially if you're in like a specialized unit, uh, detective, jump out goon shit, 
narcotics, um, SWAT, like you get called out of, you know, fun things with your family and your friends. It's, it's tough. And, you know, then, of course, you got the public opinion of us. We're not always painted in glamorous light. And if you have a friend that may not line up with those opinions of the positive opinions of law enforcement, it's hard to keep that, that friendship. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, but it, it's tough. Some people just don't get what we do. You know, uh, there, there are many reasons, but it just doesn't click for some people. For me, as long as I have my family, my girlfriend, and a, and a very small, strong group of friends, it really doesn't matter who else I have around me. Maybe you need something more, but for me, it really is that simple. Um, sometimes we need to be reminded that the people we work with who would risk your life for, their life for you, uh, listen, the moment you call 10-7, 10-42, whatever, when you go home, the friendship stops. Like, you know, you guys aren't going to get beers. You're not going to, you know, have a barbecue in the summertime. It, it just, it doesn't exist. You know, maybe they will go out and have a beer with you, but, you know, they'll, they'll bitch about work and gossip and stuff like that. But, you know, maybe it's not more than that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But the important thing, I think, to realize is that different relationships are out there. You know, you may have his own partner that'll be the best man at your wedding. You could also have, you know... Uh, a guy that you went to the academy with who you don't work with, you know, he's your kid's godparent. Or, on the flip side, he could be the guy that you asked to do a favor for you and he stabs you in the back and he's the blue falcon. You never really know, but you need to be cognizant that on both sides, either in law enforcement or out of it, you're going to have both sides of that coin and you really need to be cognizant. Um, you need to have people in your life that are understanding of the work schedule. Like I said, I you know, I've had friends... And they get upset that they don't see me as often as even I would like to see them and uh, because of work. And then when I do finally get a day off, I, I don't want to go anywhere. You know, I want to sit on the couch. I want to chill. Uh, may go up to see the family. May go see the girlfriend or something. But, you know, I don't want to go anywhere. It's I just want to chill and veg out. And, you know, you, you line up a bunch of those weeks in a row where you are seriously just like trying to catch up on self-care that, yeah, you don't see those people and you know when when that when you reach out via phone text facebook whatever it might be you know don't bust my balls like oh look who finally has time for me it ain't like that you know so we really got to find the balance we really need to have a solid foundation away from the job um but just understand that it is difficult and a lot of people are having issues with that i put up a poll like a week ago asking that and you know it was there were more people than not that said they had a strong foundation outside of work, but I wonder if I said don't count family, don't count significant others, how flipped it would look. I don't know. It's something that we talked about the Dr. Gil Martin book in the interview I've talked about it in the past. You guys really need to uh, read it, talks about it. Um, they suggest in the book having friends outside of work. It's difficult, but when you find those people, it's worth it, a thousand percent. Anyway, that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please rate the 10-8 podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with all your friends. Uh, it means the world to me. It keeps me motivated to keep putting these things together, and um, you know, we're, I'm having a blast doing it. Really love reaching out to all these people, and it, your feedback really it 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 warms my heart. My ice-cold brick of a heart, it warms me up just a little bit. Just a little bit. 
Come check me out next week where we will have a special cop council with Project 109. And it'll be just in time for Valentine's Day. We're going to be talking about relationships and how important the dynamic of cop spouses and relationships with cops. It's, you know, if friendships are hard, relationships are way harder. It'll be a very special episode. Uh, Like I said, it'll be co-hosted with Stephanie from Project 109. Uh, We're going to try to get George in from it. And then we're also going to be having our special guests, KP and DC from Fit Cops. They are the first uh, social media cop page that I followed uh, six or seven years ago when I was first getting started in this funny little thing called law enforcement. So it'll be very fun to have them on. They are wild. They are crazy, but in every great way possible. Um, so, and they are, they are responsible for my page being where it is today. They've helped me out tremendously. So I can't wait to sit and talk with them about their relationship uh, past relationships. It'll be great. You're going to want to hear it. It'll be entertaining, informative, everything you've come to know and love from the 10 podcast. The music today was Apocalypse Whenever by The Glow Ups, uh, Every Day by Logic. Then we had Night Train by Guns N' Roses, and we're going to end with Short Hair, Long Jacket, the theme from one of my favorite shows of all time, Chuck. If you've never seen it, go check it out. It is, uh, it's a great show. It, I really can't say much more than that. Um, but it's, uh, the song is by Cake, and um, that's really all I got. Next week, uh, like I said, it's going to be the Valentine's Day episode, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be excited to see that. If you haven't already, uh, I released an episode earlier this week in between the Logan Campbell episode and this one with the Jersey Boys. Go back and check that out. It's the Jersey Boy podcast, but it's under the 10-8 umbrella, and it's a good time. You want to list it out. So until next week, friends, same bat time, same bat channel. Take care of each other and stay safe. 10-8 out. Short skirt and a long